Good day, all you chart toppers. Howdy do, all you heart stoppers. And guten tag to the sock and boppers. Thank you for tuning in to mm-hmm. Witty Banter, episode 162. I am today's host, Hunter Dorsett, a.k.a. the Lone Star Lug, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the Long Tall Texan. Yep. I am here, sitting across the table from the Silky Smooth tall cool glass of hubble and hudson sparkling water <laughs> max scott how are you doing today man? i'm doing great thank you so much wow i can't believe that just came right off the dome that was yeah. really good that was <laughs> completely very impressive. unscripted absolutely <laughs> uh the third leg of our tripod chase williams is yeah. uh is absent today yes. and as always when such an occasion happens we are grief stricken of course but i will say max we we mentioned this before the show if i could have the physical setup right. that we have right now yes the, the, the feng shui that is set up right now is so much more superior than what we have because whenever Chase is, is going, he's off in San Diego. Right. And we have to deal with the fucking internet. Right. <laughs> we have to think about the inputs and outputs and Absolutely. the splitting of outputs. 100%. Yeah. From the Skype session that we're yes, in. Yes, very true. And we have to wear headphones. Wow. We are, we are literally mushed to the corner of my table. We are confined, you know, confined yeah. together, everybody. And just having to talk through technology, you know, it always, you just lose a little something. Yeah. You lose a little passion. The intuitiveness is gone. But not anymore, man. Yeah. Today we are sprawling out. We have the I, entire yeah. table at our disposal. I'm leaning back. Yeah. I'm relaxed, okay? <laughs> I'm shouting the from across from the room. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's going on? I can barely see you. You're so far away. I don't need earphones. But that's great. Not a problem, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. We miss Chase, but we're gonna, we're going to take advantage of this physical setup that we do have 100 percent. we're gonna make it a good episode it's best today. not to mourn the loss you want to celebrate what we have here you know what yeah, i mean it's, yeah it's the sprout of a new uh, of what a new he, day it's what he would have wanted <laughs> if he could be here with us right now yeah. he would have wanted us to be just like this have you, know? you been man me i have been pretty good uh officially 27 that so, is fucking yes. awesome happy yes. birthday thank you so much uh i went up to austin to go see one of my favorite metal bands on my birthday what, it was metal, very sick. what metal band uh it's a band called vane it's a very sick small little collective group outside of i want to say like massachusetts northeast <laughs> okay. area but it was really sick uh, i drove all the way up to austin right to see vane and another really a band that i really like i wouldn't say my favorite another really sick metal band called code orange and they're going to be orange. playing in uh this very small barracudas i don't know if you know the place Mm-mm. no but it's a small little club area and it was going to be super awesome i mean it was super awesome okay but i get there right there's a caveat here yeah right here, here is all right so i drive all the way up there i drive up by myself all mm-hmm. right i want to go see this band i was so bad i was like i'm making the trip i'm going up to go see them You're in stoked. austin right i make the Birthday entire juices. drive keep in mind my ac is broken so i <laughs> I know that going into it. I'm like, I'm going to sweat the way up there, but it's worth it to go see my two <laughs> I'm going to be nice and lean by the yeah, time I get to the show. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so I get there, right, and the line is you know, going out the door. I step in line. I'm about 30 minutes before the show starts, and I'm just, you know, I'm on my phone. I'm checking my email, and I get a little message from uh, Ticketmaster or whatever where I bought my tickets, and I'm like, hmm, okay, cool. Just maybe mm. a little reminder. And thank you, Ticketmaster. I open it up, and it says, due to a medical emergency, Code Orange will not be playing today. Wow. And I was like, oh, no. because uh, for a second it said Code Orange is canceled. That's like how it was worded. And I was like, <laughs> Code I, Orange. Code yeah. Orange will not be playing today. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I thought it was like, because the, they're the headliner. So I was like, <laughs> collectively, the show is not happening because I just drove two and a half hours to get up here. Right. Uh-huh. 
But alas, there was some weird medical emergency where apparently one of the members like hit his head at a water park earlier that day. Oh, fuck, wow. Yeah, so apparently they couldn't <laughs> show. But on the contrary, the other three bands that were playing were still going to play, and it was like a reduced ticket price for only 10 bucks. Wow, so that's awesome. Up, yeah, so what ended up happening is this like $30 show turned into a $10 show that was still just as awesome because my actual favorite band, Vane, was still playing. That is, it's like, like a birthday eh. present. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, it was it was actually kind of nice. <laughs> it's a so Max Scott like, miracle. Know, that's super, yeah, it ended nice and early, you know what I mean? Like 11 o'clock, right when you're head's like whoa it's shaking from all the metal and you're like i you know i mean i'm done already right yeah so but it was a sick show i uh, got some sick merch and uh they put on an awesome show man it was super sick i love it that's awesome yeah. Yeah, was yeah, there man. a lot of jumping around was there any moshing so man like i i go to metal concerts every now and again for sure yeah right um last one i went to i went with my girlfriend so i didn't really get too far into the mix you of know of course not no way of course you know but i'm still feeling the vibes mm-hmm. you know and i don't know if this one was just like a step in the other direction but i don't know like moshes have now just kind everybody's of everybody's lighting into, candles and yeah <laughs> no 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 what moshes have turned into is instead of having this like big group of people moshing into each other it's mm-hmm. like a hole there's a hole in the middle. Yeah. And people take turns literally going in there and just swinging as hard as they freestyle, can. Freestyle. Um, yeah, freestyle. Just. Like people are doing flips. People are doing high kicks everywhere. <laughs> and if you're on the rim, you're like, oh, shit, man. You're fucking almost getting your teeth knocked yeah. out, man. So it's pretty intense. But it's also very awesome at the same time to yeah. feel all that. It was it was super cool, man. I was, I was glad I got nice. to go. I ask yeah. around because, you know, when you're jumping around in a mosh pit, right. I'm sure that you're getting your heart pumping. Yeah, you're getting uh, it helps some the exercise flowing. Oh, right? absolutely! You get sweaty, and this leads me up. into a recent revelation that I've been having because yeah. I feel like you have been working out a yes, decent bit, filling I out. I have been very nicely. I hear that Chase recently had some uh, like award yes. that was given him for being like a pro- prodigious yes. uh, workout specimen yeah. at the gym. Absolutely, yes. I got my brother who just lost like fifty pounds wow. in like six to seven months. Damn. And I'm just looking around, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? What? <laughs> and now I just started in the last two weeks. This is not this is not a thing where I'm just gonna sit around and be like, this is so good. Because yeah, of course. I feel fucking amazing. Hey, look, people look up to us, Hunter. <laughs> we gotta make sure that we're role models, all right? Yeah. Think of all the little the little babies who listen to the show. They wanna be us when they're older. You think they wanna grow up to be slobs? No. Yeah. They wanna be ripped and jacked. So we gotta make sure. <laughs> That we set that precedent for them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting week two of having a mindful uh, outlook on what I'm eating, when I'm eating, really? and cool. trying to get active. Right. And I'm just riding high on the endorphins. Maybe nice. that's why I'm so pumped right now. Yeah, man. Why I just like took the steering wheel and I'm like, I want to host today, man. Yes, yeah, I know. I walked in and he said, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Shut Max. the fuck up. <laughs> I am going to host. Man, on that note, and I noticed that you said when you're eating, do you have like a time window where yeah. you have to eat by? Absolutely. How does, um, how I have not work? convinced Mandy of this, but right. <laughs> okay. this is something I'm going yeah. on, right? Uh-huh. Um, I am of the opinion that if I can reduce the amount of time throughout the day that I'm eating, right, right, which by default also means I'm reducing the amount of digestion, I right. think, that I'm going to be uh, taking up, okay. um, that my body enters into what's, I guess, like a fatigue state. It's, it's, it's very basic intermittent fasting right. philosophy. Yeah, of course. Right? So that's what I'm trying to do right now. Right and I'm particularly trying to do it um, to a nth degree right now. Right. Just so I can, like, make my sum- stomach get a little smaller. Yeah. So that, the like, when start. I'm going the into a meal, yeah. even if I just pig out. Right. I can't take in as much. Right. right? That's very true. I think yeah. the reduction of my stomach makes me less hungry. Yeah. And it makes me uh, just... A overall lower caloric reduction. Yeah, man. So that's that's the idea right now. And then as it becomes a little bit more regular and I'm thinking about it 
less with like an intent of changing, right. but more as a as a uh, idea of maintaining. Yeah, I think I will still continue to do that, but I'll have less instances where I'll just be like, "Well, I'm not super hungry, so I'll just skip this meal or something." Yeah, right. I'll like actually allow myself to abide by kind of a window as opposed to just being like. I'm truly hungry now. I'm going to eat now. This is what I'm going to be eating? Yeah. yeah. That's smart. Because, uh, yeah, I've also been experimenting with fasting a lot, too, as well. I recently, so when I was in Austin, I destroyed my body, right? Oh, and I yeah? was like, oh, P. Terry's, that's tight. I ate there like <laughs> twice, got milkshakes every single time. Uh-huh. And I just got home, and I was like, I feel awful. So yeah. I decided to do a, a 36-hour fast mm-hmm. after that to, like, re-kickstart my body. And, dude, that shit is actually great. real. That thing is yeah. awesome. I did the exact same thing after I got back from Chicago when I ate three uh <laughs> three deep dish pieces of pizza and Wowie. i literally got home in the entire next day i was like i am still full <laughs> so i just didn't eat for about 36 hours and yeah. i felt fantastic after that's that. yeah i strongly recommend that if you really feel like you feel just so terrible or you've like done gone too far and you need like a kickstart just try to go it just means a whole day without eating essentially yeah. it means like you eat dinner and then you don't eat until the following following day at breakfast and that helped a lot man it, it, my juices have been flowing ever since yeah so, when you yeah, when man. you take less chemical energy uh breaking down foods and stuff you actually have more energy just to do other things very true yeah Pretty like podcasts with yeah. your best buddy <laughs> man which well I need let's energy. go ahead and just fuck up our diet right now yeah Max. let's do it right um now, we do something every show we yeah. still have not come to what we agree to as far as what we're going to call the alcoholic beverages or beer and liquor or right. whatever it is. But right. there are drinks that we consume. That's true. They usually have alcohol. That's true. What is today's beverage? Well, it's you and me, all right? And we don't have Chase here, which means we keep it to the classics, all right? Yeah. We keep it to the brujas, the, the brew daddies, the, the old brew boys. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, the two brew boys, right? <laughs> That's us, you know? <laughs> and uh, you asked me what we should be drinking today, and you suggested a Belgian dark ale, and I said, yes, please, let's get that going. So today we're going to be drinking the DNR by Co-op Brewery, which I believe is outside of Oklahoma. Possibly. Oklahoma? I don't know. There's a picture. Yeah, it's out of Oklahoma, right? Looking pretty good. It's got 10% alcohol by volume. Uh, it's got a little bit of a narrative on the back saying, this Belgian-style dark ale is the, cul- the culmination of Central and Western European malts, noble hops, candy sugar, and a traditional Trappist yeast. Notes of dried fruit, cinnamon, and vanilla make DNR a very complex experience to be enjoyed in moderation. Nice. I like how they end it with a little bit of like, hey, man, don't go too crazy. Yeah. All right. And we're not, you know, Respect asking Respect your limits. Yeah, absolutely. Of <laughs> yeah, of course. Know your limits. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited about this one, man. I poured it up. Scott, it's not as like dark as I expected, right? Right, yeah. Because, but it is like a shade up from your traditional Belgian ale, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost like a, it looks kind of like maple y. Yeah. Very like much a maple so. syrup looking. Yeah. And I can uh, see it's that. a little cloudy. So I'm thinking it might not be filtered. Um, mm-hmm. But I had like no head on it. I poured no. it straight up, no head. Boom. Um, but it looks good, man. Ten percent ABV, Belgian. I'm ready to hop into it. Yeah, candied sugar. This is going to be a sweet one. Yeah. Two sweet boys. Well, I think it's going to be a sweet episode as well. Absolutely. Let's uh, go ahead yeah. and hop into it, Max. This is witty banter. So, Max. Yeah. You said you might be bringing a piece of news or a nugget of information today. I wasn't sure what the game plan was, but I want to make sure that mm-hmm. when it's just the boys on the podcast, we at least talk about anime 
one time. It's a must. You got to do it If we don't, we are remiss. Absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there was some news the other day, and I'm not really sure how interested you're going to be in this, but I do think it's pretty big overall. That legendary uh, production company has just put the okay for a Gundam live-action film to Hmm. be coming out sometime in the next couple of years. Gundam live-action. Right, which I feel like... You know, Gundam is a staple of anime. You know this is I mean? funny because I would love to get Chase's take on this, considering that him and I both got to see a real Gundam. You got in to J- see in it live, right? And from what I heard, you were fairly not underwhelmed. Blown away. <laughs> yeah, well, we were yeah. overwhelmed by the sight and the fact of how cool it was just to see a full size. Gundam. To scale, right, yeah. We were underwhelmed by the performance, (laughs) (laughs) which was zero movement and just the interchanging of facial parts. Right. Um, This is interesting. Yeah. Because I traditionally am not um, of the mech anime variety. I've never gotten into a mech or uh, robot-centric anime. Very true. Um, What about you? Do you have a past with Gundam? Yes, yes, I do. I think that when it comes to like my foundational animes, mm-hmm. Gundam has been there since the beginning, since my since my exposure to anime for the first time, right? Because Gundam Wing was on Toonami and uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah, we're also on Toonami very early on, so I'm very familiar with both of those series. That being said. It's a huge franchise, you know? There's yeah. a bunch of different series, which means that you can have... It's like the Gorillas, right? No album <laughs> is the same, which means you can't really like the band as a whole, yeah. right? You know what I mean? You gotta be like, I like this album and that they album. They have eras, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, right? So there's definitely series that I really like, and of course there's series that I really don't like, too, at the same time. Hmm. Um, but I'm really into this, and I feel like it's very, um, you know, long, long-awaited. I feel like since we've started adapting anime to film, this seems like a go-to one for me. Obviously... The spectacle of the idea should be a little bit more challenging to get in a live action area. Yeah. You know, because we do have to portray gigantic military fighting robots, right? Right. That offers this whole set of challenges just right off the get go. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if you were to take the first couple of series, that there are a there is a heavy dose of, you know, military and political aspects to the shows that I think will provide a very interesting live action show. Nice. Man, which I think is cool. And I think that going forward, I hope to see that they really dive into that more than just the spectacle, right? And the reason I say that is because one of the people overseeing the production is a man by the name of Kale Boiter, I believe is how you say his name. Okay. And he's done, uh, he's overseen a few not so fantastic films, hmm. right? One, okay. if you know me, if you listen to the podcast, I'm not a huge Pacific Rim guy. Yeah. Right. I'm, I, I was, I was thinking about drawing parallelisms to things that we don't want it to be. Right. And I don't want it to be a Pacific Rim. I uh-huh. don't want it to be a fucking mech jerk off fest. I yeah. don't really like that. Right. <laughs> I, do, I think there's so much more to Gundam that makes it special. Right. Than yeah. just seeing the spectacle of the Gundams. Is right? it, is it American produced film or a, uh, maybe an Eastern like Asian legendary is a Eastern, uh, production company hmm. uh, but of course it's got mixed people mixed, all involved in yeah. it right for the most part you know okay. it's not just exactly put in just the eastern culture right um but i can only assume that it's going to be heavily influenced by that as most anime adaptations are for yeah. the most part right uh but yeah that guy was in charge of like pacific rim uprising which is like the new one which not only do i no, I've never seen that one, but right. I saw the first one. I didn't really care to go see the second one. Right. And everybody seems to tell me that Uprising is pretty bad as well. So it's mm. kind of like the double layer of bad. Like we can all agree that that was not very great. <laughs> um, he's also done a few other films here and there that are just not necessarily spectacular. Like mm. I think he did like Monster Truck or something, which was like this 
it was like a truck that was actually a monster or something <laughs> like that. It was something that was like not super great, right? Uh, but that being said, I think that just to put it out into the world, I do hope that they take a little bit more of a, a focus on the political aspect of it and then keep like, you know, just really, really invest in smaller doses of action yeah. to help make those small doses very palatable and very like, you know, genuine and awesome actually feeling and looking. Yeah. Right. And then also, you know, gripping people with, I think, a little bit more of a narrative, you know, yeah. I think there's room there, man. I mean, Gundam has a thick narrative that transcends different series over the time. And I think that's one of the coolest aspects of it. Yeah. And it's all in the same timeline. Yeah. I have a couple of probing questions for you. Let's go. So one. Yes. Is there a most universally accepted and best Gundam uh, era or arc that you think they're going to base it off of? Do you think this is just going to be a new thing? Do you think they're going to conglomerate a bunch of crap into one? That's a good question, man. I really don't know what they're going to do. I think the smartest choice would be just to start from the beginning. But that being said, that series, you know, came out in 1979, the very first one, right? Mm -hmm. And there's new modern series right now, like... um, like Iron Blooded Orphans, um, Thunderbolt, or something like that, which I haven't I haven't uh, watched either of those, but they're fairly well praised as being pretty good entries into the series. Yeah. So it might be worth like picking up one of those because you know striking while the iron's hot sort of concept, right? Yeah. But uh, they haven't released anything about what they want to do for hmm. like the story wise or the narrative, as far as like which series they're going to be following or if they're even going to be doing. It might be a smart decision to just sort of like. You know, not with uh, to kind of go their own way. That way, they're not held to some sort of predetermined standard by some other series, right? Because yeah. that can sometimes get you into trouble. Because if you take any sort of creative difference, you know, it's going to be looked at more, you know, analytically, and then you might be scrutinized for something that was just your creative process. So. Right. Another probing question. What up? Is what? This is a uh, I guess like sort of a facade question to the real question. Yeah. What do you think is the best? Um, live action anime and or video game adaptation movie that you could name off the top of your head? That's a really good question. Um, because if you can't, which you, which you might. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking, I can't think of too many that I'm like, oh, that was great. Right. Right? I th- yeah. Um, I think when it comes to anime... The more anime of a series it is, the harder it is to like make into a live action franchise, which mm-hmm. is why the best ones that come out to me are things that aren't nece- or were animes that weren't necessarily too difficult to make into live actions. Like, are you familiar with um, Rurouni Kenshin or Samurai X series? Rurouni Kenshin had a uh, had, had a live, a live action, action. and wow. it was pretty sweet. But at the end of the day, it's like a samurai story. Yeah, and you have plenty of those movies that right. aren't even related to anime, right? Hmm. So it's not too terribly difficult, I think, yeah. to, adapt, like, to adapt something like that. So that might not be something that's terribly um, difficult. There's also another movie based on Lupin the Third, which is like, you know, like a noir sort of like campy detective story hmm. or detective and like thief stories, right? Yeah. Which is, again, not terribly hard to do outside of anime, you know? Mm. Um, but then you look at these other things that might be a little bit harder because you have to build this whole environment that's, you know, very anime and very just, you know, outside of the real world, like... Full Metal Alchemist or Attack on Titan, which, you know, definitely didn't receive the praise that you would hope that they would. Yeah. But that's also because those movies, like, 
in order to really encapsulate that era, you need to put a lot of money into making it look as believable as possible. Right. Right. And I think that's going to be very challenging. That being said, when it comes to Gundam, that's probably going to be pretty important. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things in Gundam that don't exist in the real world. Right. And you're going to have to do that with CGI or with effects that are probably going to cost a lot of money. So yeah. that could end up being very challenging. Right? And, and I would also just say, I mean, like, I feel like part of what makes anime enjoyable for a lot of people is the sort of artistic aesthetic that it lies within, like the drawing and the like... The medium is very important. The medium is very important. And um, sometimes it just doesn't translate into a human doing this thing. It just doesn't feel or look the same. Right. What I would say is, even if a Gundam lends itself to a movie where it has the attributes that you think it, it could be capable of doing a good adaptation of a live action movie... I would say one. What is what do you think you could do to try and if you were going to give your editor's note right. to whoever is going to produce this, the Gundam movie, the Gundam movie, right. how would you keep it one from being a crappy adaptation and two also you mentioned it earlier, but not just being like a Transformers explosion. Of fest. course, yeah, that's a good question. I would say to like looking back at the older series. The the battles were not nearly as as like fantastical of a scope, right? They were kind of they very were fairly grounded, grounded right? Yeah. And the idea being is that in earlier series there wasn't like a whole bunch of Gundams and mobile suits. Those were like the best parts of the military. You still had like tanks and other these things. So mm -hmm. you ended up having these very um, just like personal confrontations between people who were like uh, piloting mobile suits. So you yeah. ended up having like a one versus two battle. Hmm. As opposed to as you get farther into the series, obviously that scope opens up and you get giant cannons and yeah. like triple sword beam sabers and they just yeah. like fly through and like chop a thousand of them in half, right? Yeah. And they all explode behind him as he's flying through and he's got like wings or something, right? Uh -huh. But obviously that's pretty cool when it comes to anime, you know, you can, you know, drawing that doesn't take as much, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same as drawing some of these other confrontations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think that if you keep it more personal and make it more like valuable and make it more tense mm. in these fights, you're going to be able to, I think, get more out of them. Mm -hmm. And you're also not going to be able to put yourself overextend yourself when it comes to CGI and things like that. So I would yeah. recommend doing that when it comes to the mobile suit uh, confrontations. Yeah. And then I would also, like I said before, man, like make there be a political problem that is the actual main like problem in the story, right? And mm -hmm. something that can be addressed and have and don't be afraid to let to have human interactions be very valuable moments in the sh mm. in the movie. Yeah. Right? I think that's a great point. Yeah. So that's that's my two cents. Nice. As somebody who is very fond of the series and hopes that it does well, I'll keep my eyes peeled for it. Yeah. Right. Um and as I was going through this, I wanted to also bring up have you ever seen the movie Jin Ro before? No, it kind of sounds familiar. You probably recognize the uh, cover if you saw it. It has a very like hellgast like soldier on the front, right? Okay. But it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic sort of um, government takeover world. Okay. And as I was looking this up, I realized that there was a Korean movie that had already come out that looked pretty fucking tight. So I was like, man, I might go try to find that and watch that because I like that movie, the anime movie, a lot. It's not it's, okay. if you haven't seen it before. It's like an hour thirty minutes. Pretty cool, fairly grounded series. Jin Ro. Yeah. So Dope. definitely take a look at that. Awesome. That's my side note. But. Well, even as somebody that doesn't. Uh, have a history with Gundam. Mm. I have, it, it has my full support and, and hope that it can be one of the first great adaptations of a great anime franchise. Right. Um, and I think that you have the 
you like you have the personal challenge of withholding yourself from a big mech jerk off uh, droid explosion fest. It's going to be tough, you know, man. because I think that I mean it's it's obviously a profit driven industry and you're going to want to quote unquote deliver on some sort of fantastical right. you know effects and stuff but it would really blow me away if they could make a great story that was true to the anime that was not just something that you know Mike uh, Steve or Michael Bay right. you know would put together for for explosions and shit absolutely it's just you know that's that's such a it's like a safe choice but it kind of guarantees you no critical praise you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it gets everybody to go see it but it doesn't have people value your movie and I think the way that people need to start valuing anime adaptations in order to get more and more of these things greenlit as things go forward. So, Absolutely. Yeah, well, man. I actually have another uh, Hollywood okay. silver screen Very story cool. to bring to the table. I'm all ears, man. And this is from sci-fi.com. Right. And the title says Joaquin Phoenix Breaks silence on his Joker casting. That's so weird. I was gonna also talk about that, and I just picked this one instead. No, yeah. that's great. That's cool. Because, yeah, no, I uh, want to talk about this for sure. I actually, I actually uh, had something that I brought probably within the last, last three months or so, talking about how I would love it if Joaquin Phoenix did accept a Joker role. Really? Because. I really respect him as an actor. I think he's one of those guys that doesn't take any role lightly. And I think that he really pushes himself to be original and try and have an original uh, creative artistic vision. Definitely. And so as I was reading this, I don't want to necessarily go into all the stuff he talks about. Everybody here can just read the article if they want. Um, But basically, he's he's just... um, saying out loud the things that I was already hoping and thinking that he would do with a Joker role. They were saying that it's going to be maybe like a $55 million budget, um, but that they were going to try and make it a little bit more of like a crime drama, grittier um, character backstory for the Joker. Yeah. And the only thing that I have a drawback on is I think what makes the Joker a really interesting character from the perspective of like Batman and and the comics and stuff, which I I admittedly have never read the comics, but from what I've read about the Joker is that he kind of always makes up his backstory. Yeah. And so you never actually really know what is the deal with the Joker? And I think that's like one of the more clever and interesting things about him as a villain. Right. So I'm a little bit kind of like, man, if they, if they have some sort of weird, like define or like definitive backstory that is going to drop, uh, maybe it takes a little of that allure away. Right. But at the same time, if they, if they do it well, and if, and if, uh, if Joaquin Phoenix does it justice that I think he can do, I'm really excited to see what the turnout is, mostly because this is not going to be a movie that's set within the scope of all the other DC uh, universe, uh, you know, Superman, Batman, Joker stuff. This is kind of its own set-aside project. Yeah, from what I read, um, they're going to be doing like probably a series of these that they haven't really decided what they're going to call, but it's going to be like more darker, personal noir tales about some of the particular villains of the DC franchise, yeah. which is pretty cool. I mean, obviously DC gets like a lot of flack for trying to be darker when they inherently have characters that are a little bit more mainstream and brighter than Marvel characters, you know, which kind of kills me. It really frustrates me that that's the case. 
that that's what they're doing or that that's why they're getting attacked that they don't do the frilly easy things that marvel does and for (laughs) some reason that's a that's a knock on it yeah oh i get you like because they're not doing the more campy stuff they're inherently just getting viewed as being pretty bad like i remember i remember a very specific moment in mods pizza waiting in line Mm -hmm. and there are these two ladies that are in line talking to each other right in front of me and they're discussing the Batman versus Superman movie right. that either had just come out or was about to come out. And I just remember one lady saying to the other lady, it's like, they're both superheroes. Like, why are they not on each other's side? And you're like, <laughs> God damn it. You know, like, yeah. it's pretty easy if you just take like 30 seconds to think about it and look right. at what the backstory is that Superman just like destroyed an entire city or whatever, even if he's trying to save it. You know, they both have the same ultimate interests, but they do it in different ways. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just kind of frustrates me that Marvel has gotten so much critical success. Or not, yeah. maybe not critical success, but at least commercial success. Right. It is undeniable the commercial success that they have. And with that commercial success, it sort of drowns out anything that DC does. Right. It, it makes it, it hard for them. Well, Without losing my train of thought, just I want to do, I want to comment real quick. Is yeah. that I have, like, as been watching, as is a little bit of a tangent, but since I've been following Marvel movies, like, as they've gone on, mm-hmm. I've liked them more and more, right? I would generally agree. And, but yep. it's funny because I think if you look at the roots of Marvel movies, at least since the MCU has come out, they've been, like, they've gone from being so universally palatable, being so, like, comic-y so fucking campy so mainstream and bright and over time have actually leaned towards more like personal darker interesting stories yep right that there's a convergence happening yeah there's like this sort of as they're going forward this way and i think people like it's obvious that they started with things that everybody would go see Mm -hmm. and as it's gone on you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again but you already have people hooked because they saw those other movies and like yeah i'll go see it yeah so people are going to be more partial who've seen like you know, Iron Man one and two to go see infinity war, which has a lot of really like awesome things that they do. Obviously I wouldn't say like darkness is a theme, but it does get very personal and very like, you know, you do get these relationships that would be as hard to understand as the Batman Superman thing. Yeah. But you're more willing to accept them because you've come up to this point so far. Yeah. You have so much invested already. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it makes people look at those movies and be like, that's so cool. And like, I totally get it. And they're doing really great things. And then when it's DC, a great point, when DC kind of started to do that from the beginning, like with Man of Steel, it fucking killed me because people would say the same stupid shit about Man of Steel and be like, I don't get like why he had to destroy the whole city. I'm like, well, one, he probably didn't mean to, too. And then he'd be like, I don't know why his dad told him to kill all the kids. And it's like, why didn't he just say he was Superman? Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? But then they'll look at something like Infinity War and be like, it's so conflicted and it's like super cool. And like, he's kind of got the right reasons. Like, I kind of vibe with him, but he's a villain. And it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just kills me because it really makes me wish that maybe if DC had done the same thing and just started off with really like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and then at this point started diving into more darker, grittier tales mm-hmm. that people would be more accepting and willing. Uh, that being said, I think this this approach that they're kind of doing by like maybe making a subsection of the yep. DC universe, like this is supposed to be that. Yeah. And maybe we're going to open up the other more like the superhero canon to be a little bit more frilly and to be a little bit more genuine when it comes to like Silver Age of comics, right? Mm-hmm. And it's cool that they kind of separated them. I think it's really interesting that they're doing this side story with 
Joaquin Phoenix. And it's going to be something very like, you know, personal about the Joker. And like you said, more of a detective in like darker, grittier story. And they're also going to do another Joker tale, I believe, with Jared Leto still as the Joker. That's going to take place canonically. Yeah, no, I think the jo- I think Jared Letter Jared Leto's Joker, it's kind of hard to say, mm-hmm. will <laughs> continue to be in all of the sort of canon right. DC Universe movies. Which I think that that's cool. The reason being is that it gives people the exposure to how comic books work, which is that there's like a canon tale. Mm-hmm. But then there's a million little like side story things that don't necessarily need to follow what actually happened. And you can't hold up to the story and expect to get 100% right with the timeline. Yeah. So I think it's very cool that um, Joaquin Phoenix has expressed interest or that he's going to be taking up the role. And it's like I said, from what he said, um, he's really uh, excited to explore like a darker comic character like that. Yeah. And but at the same time, I do want to say that it's. A slippery slope because you don't want to say too much about the Joker's backstory because then you ruin what might be the clever aspect of the Joker. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And one thing, which was one quote that uh, that Joaquin Phoenix had. Uh, by the way, it's an interesting pairing because the I think the director is going to be Todd Phillips. Who? Yeah. What did he do? Is he did say the he did? Uh, the Hangover. Okay. Yeah, which is an interesting you know well, an interesting right. take, but. Uh, <laughs> But he Deep said personal relationships. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't quite. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix said I wouldn't quite classify this as like any genre. I wouldn't say it's a superhero movie or a studio movie. It feels unique, and I think more than anything, and probably the most important thing is Todd Phillips seems very passionate about it and very giving, and so that's exciting. Um, and so yeah, I think that's that's awesome. It'll be interesting to see. I think you made an actually pretty brilliant point that uh, the accessible, palatable uh, first movies of Marvel and then making your characters uh, gradually more and more dark uh, is, is such an inherently better strategy than starting from dark and then making it more palatable over time, which is basically right. what DC has done, where now they're doing their own Justice League and there's almost no time to do any, yeah. uh, <laughs> any of the actual dark shit that made it interesting in the first place. So... Now it seems like they're going to just double down on the darkness, and uh, yeah. and and I ho- I honestly like hope I, this is a movie that is superhero related, but is the first one in a long time that I'm like excited to see. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm very into it. Uh, it's said that it's like trying to get out before the end of next year, so that's already pretty quick. Yeah, they're saying they might start doing stuff in like September. So right, so. we'll we'll keep our eyes and ears open for that, but for now. Let's go ahead and uh, call a halftime break. Halftime. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Thank you for tuning in again to Witty Banner, episode 162. We are drinking a beer 
called the DNR. Yes, we by are. By Co-op Aleworks, I believe. I believe that's it. And uh, Max, I got to tell you, the first word that jumped out to me yeah. whenever I took my first sip of this, it might, I don't know if it's going to be the same one as you. Okay. The first like similar word that popped out was apple juice. Did you get it? Does that, does that even make sense to you at all? You know, it's not the first thing I thought. It's also not the last thing I thought or anything in between. So please <laughs> go ahead and explain yourself how you, what, think, you, what you're tasting here. So I think there's like a little bit, just the smallest little hint of tartness in it, okay. right? I don't think it's tart, but I think it has a little bit of tartness in it to balance out some of like the hot, the alcohol sweetness because it is 10% ABV. And I'm just getting a little bit of tartness and a little bit, it's, it, it's, it's a smooth kind of thin, thinner beer mm-hmm. for me. And I get a good amount of malt, but I think the things that really hop out to me are just that it's like malty, it's got a little bit of tartness and it's high alcohol content. So it has like a body, but it's kind of thin. So when I put all that stuff together, it kind of for me just comes across as like a apple juicy kind of alcoholic drink. Yeah. No, well, like, I don't know. For me, I, I taste all those things that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But when I think of a Belgian beer, I think of a sweeter beer, right? Yeah. Just inherently. Right. And I think this one goes a little bit full force towards that. And I don't know how you didn't mention sweetness in there because that's the first thing I thought of. That this is super sweet. Right. This is like crazy sweet. Like yeah. Too sweet. It is sweet. Opinion. Do you think it's sweet, but do you think it's sweet from the alcohol or do you think it's sweet from the Belgian yeasty kind of sweet? Uh, I mean, both. both. I think that they're both coming up and they're both doing their part to provide sweetness and it's providing the synergetic explosion of sweetness, right? I totally, I totally jive with what you're saying. It, but I, those other things are right, right? Like the alcohol content is there as it like hits your stomach and mm-hmm. as you feel the body of the beer. But it is like a thinner beer, right? Almost in the same vein as like a, like a dark lager would mm-hmm. be, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be like you look at it, it's thinner. Like you look at it and it's a dark colored beer, but as you drink it, it's like a very distinctively different from what you might expect yeah and as i drink this i I think of like a very sweet lager in that sense right yeah um but i mean the belgian aspect is definitely there it's definitely yeasty there's definitely malt to uh there's definitely malt in the beer itself but i feel like everything seems to come secondary to the sweetness that's on the lips right now cool right but absolutely yeah no i agree with you uh entirely and it's it's surprisingly drinkable uh for a 10 percent um and yeah, I think I think it's just got a little bit of complexity that I like. Right. It's a little different from maybe anything I've had. Um, but yeah, digging it so far. It's a, yeah, I mean it's definitely they weren't kidding when they said to drink responsibly. Yeah. This is pretty easy to drink. <laughs> this and would be yeah, misleading if you didn't know how ten percent, right? Yeah. So if you drink ten of them, you're a hundred percent drunk. <laughs> That's how it works. You're hundred percent dead. You're hundred percent dead for sure, right? <laughs> Your blood is just alcohol at that point. So this this is a one that's it's pretty high on the chugger meter. So yeah, you could definitely chug this if you wanted to. You might wake up with a headache mm-hmm. from all the sugar, but I don't know if you really would if it's like that sugary sugar that you get headaches from, or if it's just the alcohol. So got gotcha. you. Cool. Right. Well, let's jump in to another segment of the show. Right. Let's You're bringing have, something. Let's bite in to a conversation peach. Oh, check it out. Here's a conversation peach. The conversation piece that I'm bringing today yes. is, as always, I'm always on the lookout for new technology. Right. Um, I'm seeing stuff uh, 
more and more that excites me and that makes me think like the future could be a crazy place with some crazy awesome abilities that we can't even fathom right now. Right. Be very cool. Yes. But I think there are inherently drawbacks to uh, to sudden advancements like that that happen in society. Right. And without having a too much of a cliche and kind of like uh, anti-technology or Luddite sort of banter on here. Yeah. Let's just, I, I think it's worth mentioning. I just want to start a conversation about being cognizant and mindful of things we need to think about as we go into this age of technological progression. Right. It's like we're prefacing this being like, look, I love technology. Yeah, okay? I'm technology not against cool. technology. I have plenty of technology. Yeah. A bunch of my friends are technology. <laughs> I am technology. I'm not a technologist, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, when, when you think, when you read an article or you hear about a new thing that comes up or, or even just think about, you know, how much your life has changed from when we didn't have as much technology when we were kids to how it is now. Right. I mean, what are the things that really kind of pop out in your mind first and foremost about kind of maybe drawbacks that you have, whether it be on a societal scale um, or, or, or any other sort of uh, perspective that you want to take on technology? Well, I think it's worth noting the speed at which technology changes because as technology changes, the culture around it kind of has to adapt to it in mm -hmm. a new way. And a lot of the times the culture of people may not be ready for what they're given that Internet is, <laughs> is, is number one. <laughs> that is, yeah, it is like crazy. It really is wild when you think about how important things like the internet are now, mm -hmm. even compared to ten years ago, yeah. right? And oh, the yeah. lifestyle that I lived. And I'm not like, obviously, ten years ago I was in high school, you know, and I was definitely living a different lifestyle in general than I am now. Yeah. But just the general like, just way that I thought my thought processes back then as compared to now are just completely different. Mm -hmm. And I do find myself falling into these sort of like rabbit holes when it comes to technology. Yeah. I find myself being very uh, driven by instant gratification, which mm. is just not good. I don't yeah. think that that's any, that's never a good idea to be able to like try to satisfy something so fast that when, it's not satisfied that fast, you immediately look to something else. Yes. Right? Because then that transfers outside of technology to your work life or to your relationships and mm -hmm. that destroys those, right? Yep. Like that's that's the idea of technology bleeding into your social life, right? Mm -hmm. And lately, uh, just since all these things that have been going on in my life recently, I've taken a very, like a step back as mm -hmm. much as I can um, by forcefully deleting things like social media and That's stuff off of my fantastic. you know yeah. iPhone and you know obviously I've been back to the site since but I think that when you take a step back and you like start limiting yourself to things like social media you end up realizing how not important they end up being in the grand scheme of things of course. right and you re you reassert the power that you have over it right yeah as opposed to being subject to it right and i want to get that one out of the way because that's like i think that's the obvious one right that things like how fast you have access to information makes it to where you don't have to learn things as like thoroughly yeah. right and well i'd love to coattail you on this yeah please by all means because jump on there instant gratification i think is it is a, uh, a sort of like a silent killer kind of thing. And hand in hand with that is mm -hmm. this uh, super fear of boredom right. that we start having. Yes. It's, it's, it's not only a fear of boredom, 
but it's also this sort of heightened sense of opportunity cost where as we have more information at our disposal, right? Yeah. We know that these seven things are happening in the city of Houston this weekend. Right. And we know what all of our friends are doing because we have such wide open communications with them. So right. now it's harder for you to make decisions because you're like, well, should I do that or should I do this or should I do this? And what I find myself doing is being almost paralysis analysis mm -hmm. where I'm like, I almost, it's hard for me to commit to doing anything because I'm like, well, what if this thing comes up, you know? Right. So there's a fear of boredom where I'm like, oh, like I don't have anything going on. So I'm just going to like not even think about it involuntarily pull up Facebook and go into my newsfeed. Right. Or, or, and then also the paralysis analysis of like, oh, like. I want to make sure that I'm utilizing my time the best I can. So let me take in like all these different things instead of just committing to something and doing it. Yeah. Kind of like what Chase was saying, like, oh, like I have this thing where and every one of us do, I think, where, you know, we say we're going to do something with somebody and then we're immediately like, fuck, I don't know if I want to do that. You know? Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> instead for of sure. just being like, nope, that's what I'm going to do because I said I'm going to do it and I don't have yeah. to think about all the other possible things I could do. Right. But, no, that's that's such a good example. Like the the idea of being so afraid of boredom to where, like, I feel like if I'm waiting in line or if I am sitting still anywhere, I always have to grab my phone and look at something. And the the feeling in your mind is like, I don't want to waste time. I'm dying, right? Yeah. Like, I'm dying right <laughs> yeah. now. And you think to yourself, this will maximize my time right now. I'll watch a video on learn working a thing. out. I'll learn a coding yeah. thing. <laughs> I will watch a trailer or something, right? Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is you spend so much of your time doing that and not critically thinking that you end up, like you said, falling into this sort of paralysis mode where you end up not doing what you want to do, you know? Yeah. No. And that happens to me a lot. Like what I think about specifically is Street Fighter. And okay. when I play Street Fighter, I have to look for ranked matches and I have to wait. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And every time that happens, You're I have like, a tendency to, it. It, I have to grab yeah. my phone and I got to look, even if I'm like trying to keep with the theme, I'm like, I'll look up Cody combos or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll look at that. But what ends up happening is I'm trying to split my attention between two different things. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm not giving either of them the thorough attention that they deserve. Yeah. Right? I'm not Great analyzing point. either situation to a critical point to where I'm actually understanding something. Right. Right. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. And then I end up playing worse because I'm not in-depthly looking at what's going on. I'm looking at things from the surface level on both sides, mm -hmm. right? And then I end up just like not getting what I want out, and be I get salty, and I get upset because I'm not getting what I want out, and I start blaming other things in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah, That's crazy how you are literally given this ultimate access to information that it ends up leading to where you learn less. Yeah, and that's so and you bizarre. You know less inherently. You know less inherently yeah. bizarre because you become reliant on something like that. And it also makes it to where the stuff that you do know is the sort of regurgitated shit that you've read the past two days, so that everybody's talking about the same shit. Right. That is the worst part too. It's that instant gratification of, um, like, looking at you. You end up like not reading. Right. You look at articles yeah. by titles. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't read them thoroughly because you're so quick to try to find an opinion or find your own motives on something. And it's a, uh, what was like the article that we brought up last on the show that it took chase, like what, 45 minutes to read that entire thing. Yep. And it's like, so like putting that much of your mind into something is so, you know, you, there's so much less 
it's not as done today as commonly it's as it was before. It's almost novel nowadays. Right? That's yeah. like crazy, right? It's yeah. literally like feeling like you're writing a, or reading a book or something yeah. like that when it's really nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story in a newspaper yeah. that you were stoked to get back yeah. in the day and being like, I'm going to read this entire thing because yeah. it shows me everything that's going on. Like, that's crazy to me that we just we end up just getting this this surface level idea of what's going on because we can so easily go back and learn later or mm. figure out later. Yeah. You know, so that's definitely like the first layer of what freaks me out about technology. Right. It's yeah. very important that you are very self-reliant and self-aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and really have a good understanding of yourself and what you need to do to really learn something nowadays. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I know. think another thing that I personally try to catch myself, kind of like pinch myself in thinking about right. is trying to, the same way that you talk about, you know, just reasserting your dominance over it by deleting it. Saying like, right. I am not a slave to this. I'm not subject to this. In, in the same vein saying, I'm, I'm not dependent on this. Right. And I think dependency is something that I recently have had kind of a bone to pick with myself because it's so easy to come home after a pretty long day of work, get some food, and then just sit around and watch TV. Right. Or to sit around and play... Uh, I mean, playing a video game at least is like kind of interactive, so I can do right. that. But it's still, uh, it's still a kind of it can be mind numbing if you just do it without thinking very much or anything. Right. And, and and it sucks because that is at the detriment of things that I truly actually value, like playing piano. I want to read, but I don't right. read because I suck at reading. Yeah. Um, you know, playing piano, playing guitar. Um, writing like a script for mm-hmm. a show that we're working on together, practicing my my band stuff, um, and it, and it's crazy how much dependency um, that I never signed up for, but that it ends up eking its way into yeah. my life. You know, you're like, Absolutely. oh well, I'm 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 telling myself that. I don't know what else to do with my time, so I'm doing this, but you have plenty of things to do with your time. Yeah, 100%. Based off of your own values. Like, <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of crazy. It is, yeah. It's, it's weird because I think that we both consider ourselves to be like hobbyists, mm-hmm. right? I think that we both have sure. um, just personal things that I think that we both can do to satisfy ourselves, right? Whether it be like music or writing or you know, competitive video games or something like that. Just something that we both can always go to and get better at. Yeah. So it's just funny to hear like, like why would we ever be bored? You know what I mean? Like why would you and I ever be bored at any point? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can almost kind of understand because there are other people. Cause I do feel like I I meet people who like, I try to ask about what they do in their own time Mm. and maybe they put so much into their work or something that their home life becomes a form of, like sedation, literally just yeah, right? just de-escalation. Being able to yeah. de-escalating and things like that, but that's something that drives me crazy, right? Yeah, I don't like that feeling of knowing that I'm like wasting my time. But then that feeling again, as we go around in the circle, yeah, is me being like, oh my god, I can't waste any of my time. So I go and I YouTube videos and stuff on yeah. every free second that I have, and yeah. then I waste more of my time, and I find myself in this weird little spirally paradox where I feel like 
oh, I'm, I have all these hobbies that I like to do, but I don't have time to do any of them. But then also as I step away, I realize I have so much time to do them all, but yeah. I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up like criticizing yourself and you destroy, you know, it's this weird yeah. little flow as, you know, I don't know. I find that to be very strange. Cool. Um, as far as that goes for now, I do want to bring up something else because we're kind of talking about the future yeah. and technology and what that provides. Um, we've talked a little bit about, I wish I had looked at the program before I got on to the show, but about the ability to replicate what people are saying through video and uh, audio. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, fairly familiar are, with that, right? Are you like, talking, elaborate a little bit. So there's a, co- a couple different things I'm thinking of when you say that. There are like, there is the ability, oh, I wish I knew exactly what I was drawing from, but you are now pretty much able to, if you were to take a person's like through a program like if you take an history. hour yeah right if you yeah. take like an hour of their speech yeah we did a we, did you a can, yeah, episode we, we talked this. about it on the show uh-huh. right you were able to almost replicate it to an almost unidentifiable point right yeah you can make people say stuff they've never said in their own voice right which with is, video which is wild right and now <laughs> yes. that video is involved it's almost like the last layer of what is there to believe anymore yeah. and that to me like like you can already do that now we just don't have a whole lot of examples of it being used maliciously mm-hmm. to where as we go forward, I become so much more skeptical about everything. Yeah. And that skepticism, while it is inherently good because it like provokes you to do your own research and mm-hmm. things like that, it also is backwards too at the same time because then you can also use that as a scapegoat for anything. Mm-hmm. And a good example is, you know, not to get on my soapbox of being a political of course. party member of any kind on right. the show. Yeah. I try to separate myself. But if you take somebody as controversial as Donald Trump, yes. who can pretty much always just say fake news to everything, right? Everything he doesn't like. At yeah. some point, he has like a valid excuse to say that because at some point he could be like, well, anybody could have just Plausible taken what deniability. I said yeah. and redone it and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Nope, wasn't me. Yep. And what do you just like do? What do you yeah. just say? We can't figure it out anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? And what ends up happening is that like <laughs> you have this new layer of like there is no way to check what is real or not anymore. Yeah. And then as we go forward into the future, that becomes this very just spooky, spooky place yeah. to me. Misinformation, and I'm saying this as a one hundred percent acknowledging that I'm a misinformed person. Right. Misinformation is a huge bitch. Yeah. It is it is a I think it is an epidemic right now, and I don't really see a bright future for it. No, I don't know. Like, nobody, I don't say nobody's caring about it. There is, like, a, a social awareness of being, like, definitely double-check the stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, For sure. And But there, from what I've seen, like, nobody's really brought up a really, like, solid and objectively optimistic view of the future in regards to this, saying, like, oh, don't worry, we can always check it with X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody agrees that you really can't at yeah. this point, and that's crazy. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy too because with the breadth of information at our disposal, you can double check it with what you want to double check it with. Right. You have five other sources that you can pull from that'll back up whatever it is that you want to believe. Right. So that doesn't even it's hard to even really tell anymore because really what we're doing is we're valuing truth assertions. Yeah, and in it, it is. I think we're more and more coming into a day and age where we basically just have to say, "I believe this person because of X." Yeah, and that person's truth is what is most similar to my truth, and that, and and I think that's one thing that might actually be interesting about 
um, journalism in the future is you might start having um, more and more instances of individuals who people follow yeah. instead of corporations, right? Following personal trust yes. as opposed to just like his ideas are right. strong, right? It's the person that you start to right. identify with rather than what Not his saying. affiliation. Yeah, or what their affiliations are. Right, and, and that might be interesting, but ultimately, yeah, misinformation is incredibly scary. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. yeah it's hard to it's hard to truth check anything nowadays. right no absolutely but it's, yeah that's that's funny i just <laughs> like as we've gone through technology i remember having a conversation like five years ago with a friend of mine talking to them and saying to them like remember when you can lie to somebody's face like about anything and you'd be like yeah dude there this movie is in production like for this other thing yeah. like you could just tell when we were kids we would lie to each other all the time but nowadays like if anybody says anything to you you can be like hold on but let me check it on my phone yeah right and then you can end up checking the truth but i feel like it's weird how you've ended up like going, going in backwards. this full circle to where like oh wait now anything could be the truth <laughs> yeah. and now anything could be a lie and it's just it's interesting how i think that that's that's happened that way a hundred percent. Well, thank right you for on. indulging me in that. Course, Maybe we'll yeah. have a round two, a round three when Chase yes. is around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fully indulge in our, uh, in our, uh, you know, what might be a, a backtrack of technology. That being said, we still always have our future boners. Of course. On, on Witty Banner. I await. <laughs> so listen into the, to that. One piece of technology that we use to interact with our fans right. is email. Some people say it's outdated. Yeah. I say... It's classic. Wittybantershow at gmail.com. You can go and you can email us and you can ask us questions. Yeah. We have a super fan, that, a couple of super fans that email us very regularly. Very grateful. Last couple times we've had uh, Dunter Horset uh -huh. emails. This time we're going to give it a strict Dooney Ray. He's been, yeah, we've been putting his emails on the back burner, but I feel like it's time to start fleshing out some of the Dooneys. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so. for that reason, I'm going to make sure that this... Uh, Mail corner is mm -hmm. Dooney's mail corner. It's Dooney's mail corner. <laughs> yeah, no slum buster. It's Dooney's mail corner. Yay. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. I don't know how it's going to go, got but it could be something like that. I got yeah. something cooking you, up. You could do it later. I'll take yeah, it out of course. Yeah, of course. All right, so question number one from Dooney. We got a couple. Right. Hunter, have you thought <laughs> about playing some offline fighting games? Have you considered joining Max at a weekly? Even if you wouldn't want to play, would you go to watch? Why or why not? Your friend is real. Thank you, Dooney, for the question. I have got to say, I would definitely go watch. Right. A lot of it comes down to time con constraints for me. Of course. Busy uh, people. <laughs> yeah. We already talked about this. We can't be bored. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, no, but I, I would actually love to go watch. Um, I don't know if... I wouldn't. I would never strike it from a possibility, but I don't know if my competitive spirit in fighting games is high enough to where I'm going to try and start entering myself into fighting game uh, tournaments right. and stuff. Even if it is super local and inviting, and everybody has a great attitude, maybe I'd do Weakly it. Casual. I event. still think I just embarrass myself, and mm. it, it's. I. I think I could enjoy just as much watching one of my best friends play. Um, and just indulging in the culture as right. opposed to necessarily trying to be a participant in it. Yeah, it's um, like I understand the idea for sure. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like it's very important that the mentality of like, I don't want to go because I'll embarrass myself or like I don't want to enter because I embarrass myself is something that you separate from because even just entering in a tournament and making it a bigger tournament in general, if you go 0-2, like that makes it still... You're still supporting the team, or you're still supporting the scene, 
like more than you ever could. Is it right? a positive? It is a positive affirmation yeah. of my Always, like, willingness. Those to Those are play the, the people. Game. I saw a tweet about that. Like the people who join tournaments over and over again and go zero and two. Like those are the fucking people. This is the true. That need to be praised yeah. for keeping the scene alive. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's that's the people. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. is everybody else, right? There is a very few people who go one and two or two and two at like especially big tournaments, but even like casuals and locals and things yep. like that. Which is why I want to ask too. Would you be interested in then going to something that was such a casual setting to where there wasn't even any form of like bracket system? It was just a go, almost like a meet and greet, not like a meet and greet, but like just a setting of of consoles where you sat down and you played with somebody side by side mm-hmm. to get the offline experience more with different people that you aren't normally playing with. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily... Um, I, I will say I'm not afraid to play the games with other people and I'm not yeah. even really afraid of embarrassing myself. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. What do you have it. to lose sort of yeah, situation? I, I really yeah. don't I don't think I'm afraid of it at all in that respect. I think it's more just like I would find it to be a waste of time. Right, yeah. It's 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 kind of similar to how I view most gambling, where it's like I don't feel very confident about my ability to win in the end, which mm-hmm. is ultimately the goal for most participants, I would say. Now, when you bring in the the counter argument that you just had, maybe it's not just about winning. Maybe it's more about showing the support, being a participant, playing into the culture, making friends mm-hmm. that way. And for that reason, like I totally get it. And maybe I will. Right. Maybe I'll go and I'll join you. Just right just on. try and mix things up. But I will Absolutely. say, I mean, that's that's the main reason why I wouldn't take part in it. Is it, it's more of a. Um, Maybe modesty, just being like, I don't believe in my own ability to actually be the champion here. Hmm. You know, just just acknowledging it. I get that. And I'm I not the best. Uh, I'm not the best poker player. I'm not the best fantasy footballer. Right. And I'm not the best fighting game guy. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and but you know, it, it's always cool to like. If if you know that you can't be the best, then setting your own personal goals is also a cool thing as well. Like if you can it go, if you can win one game, if that's all you want to do, then that's your constant goal. Yeah. Then that's like a believable goal for you. Yeah. Progress achieve, is a drug. Right? Yeah. So it's great. That might be something to consider. Let's let's do it. I'll meet you. They're on Tuesdays, right? Yes. Have you are. been going? Still? No, I have no. not. Right. Not as often. You, not you have no. school. You're a busy guy, too. I'm a busy. It's a busy time time of the year for me. But well, maybe as we get closer towards the winter season, I might absolutely. be able to get in there. I'll, I'll get in there. You know, and, and a similar analogy is when I was really doing a lot more shows with my band, going to local um, shows with other bands and stuff. And, like, I don't even really like their music necessarily. But, yeah, just being there and supporting them, yeah. it is it is incredible how much people really vibe with you when you just show face yeah it's incredible there's yeah it's very easy to be a part of the culture you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah so. so number two question number two is from dooney and he says last year at evo tekken had one of the greatest guest character reveals in geese howard yeah will there be a reveal this year of equal hype or nah if so what game and what character your friend israel this is clearly geared more towards you max you think so I don't know shit about character reveals or Whoa. who would be revealed. Here's the thing about Tekken, all right? The character reveals have been huge because they've been characters from all sorts of different games, you know? Really? Yeah, right? So last year, I mean, it's really hard to beat last year because last year was a character named Geese Howard, who's a guy from the King of Fighters franchise. Okay. And it was a very just like out of nowhere, but also very recognizable, perfect amount of like notoriety, but obscurity at the same time, okay. right? They come in. So it ended up being this big hullabaloo. Hmm. 
Um, since then, they put in the character Noctis from Final Fantasy, okay. right, which is not necessarily a fighting game, but it is very like he has very cool moves that are you know. I'm surprised that Tekken does that. That sounds more like a Soul Calibur kind of thing. Well, Bandai Namco owns both properties. Okay. So. And, you know, Soul Calibur already put in Geralt, so yeah. they're kind of doing the Can't same. Can't get any better than that, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. just give up. Yeah. So, uh, But I do think that we can both sort of, you know, spit on this a little bit, right? Like, okay. Tekken 7 is a pretty, it's like a hand-to-hand fighting combat game. Is there anybody from like a game franchise that you know or like any franchise really that might like really pull you in or be like a really cool character reveal in a Tekken game? Um, you know, I think that you could go a number of different ways. You could either go with like an iconic anime character or yeah, something. Totally. You could go with maybe a more obscure, but like gritty, like a uh, hero from a movie, like something that maybe comes to mind is like Mad Max. Right. Or something. Um, that would be very cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, just something where there's not really a precedent for this person being in a fighting game, but right. like he's notoriety, like there's enough notoriety where it's like, oh, cool. Like we're going to see a fighting game version of this guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love, I would just, I just want anybody from Yu Yu Hakusho to be in a game. <laughs> like, God damn it. If I can't have Hiei or Kurama yeah. or Yusuke. I think Yusuke would be very Toguru, cool. Toguru. Just what put if, one what of them What if Toguru was in Tekken? Would you play Tekken a little bit? Just I would have to at least play with Toguru. Yeah. Yes. I think that's cool. Yeah, that's, so, that's a pretty cool... I like that. That's so off the radar to where if you're right, people will be like, oh my well, God. My Hunter blown. is so prolific. <laughs> that's insane. Right? What about you, man? Um, are you familiar with the anime uh, Fist of the North Star? I am, yes. Right? So Ken Shiro. Yeah. Was, what brought this out was, uh, you know, you're talking about Mad Max, the sort of like, that sort of post-apocalyptic feel. I think Ken Shiro would be a good fit, right? Yeah. Fights with his hands, a brawler, but has a lot of really unique uh, moves that are a know, true just Bruce him, Lee tribute, right? right? Yeah, mean, for sure, of course, right? And a lot of different tributes that come out of him. Right. And I think that that would be an excellent pull because it's also like... It's something that I think I think a lot of people would know. I think he's about as popular as Keith Howard. And I think okay. if you revealed him, it would be so like off, you know, what the expectations of people. Mm-hmm. And then I think it would be a really cool reveal. That's all I want to say. I think that it would be really awesome and on the same level as Keith Howard. So that's my pick for being in Tekken 7. Okay. Ken Shiro. Ken from Fist of the North Star. Okay. I think that'd be super sick. Fucking right. Well, Hold cool. me to it. I can't wait. And I do think that there's going to be a pretty big character reveal for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got it, right? Evo is the place to do it. Man, mm-hmm. it's going to be one for almost every game. Do they do reveals at E3? For Tekken, no. I guess, you know, but... you, I would think, you know, you're, you got to have some sort of face to be shown by the FGC just in gen- Like the companies that are a part of the FGC is maybe saying, hey, this is a video game thing. We yeah. got these people coming. Is that not a thing? Do they not capitalize on E3 to try and re- make reveals and get people hyped about E3 or Evo? And I mean, thing? I don't know, man. E3 is so big. and It's too mainstream. Fighting games are so niche. You know what I mean? Like it's are not, they? I mean, niche enough, right? Okay. I know that Soul Calibur had some reveals. Nothing that really comes to mind that happened at E3. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's not as important. I think, I think that like so many fighting game heads, people who are really following these fighting games, still the games that have been out for years are going to be at least watching Evo for sure. So yeah. I think that's like the perfect spot. Cool. All right. So, well, I know that I, I can speak for chase here and I'll speak for myself. Right. We are very excited about Evo coming up. Oh yeah. That's going to be very cool. We will be going to Austin, getting to hang out with all of each other and uh, really just kind of, dedicating a weekend to to fun and booze and and fgc hanging out fighting games and friendship you know i'm excited because even though i don't really play dragon ball fighters very much anymore i think well none of us do yeah we kind of plummeted off that cliff yeah we're all back down to the same level so it's great (laughs) even though i don't play it as much anymore i still kind of have a uh you know a, a stake in the game Right. Where like I at least I can follow that one and get excited about that one. Right. You know? Yeah. For and sure. that gives me a, a new win to to kind some of some characters to look for, some players up. to look after. Plus, I got to get uh, cold blooded. I got to take him out while we're there because <laughs> yeah, I know he also plays Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. But, well, that that'll be yeah that'll be your title match when yeah, I go over throw to down the gauntlet. You a first to five with with Cole Blair. <laughs> oh man. All right, man. Well, that'll close out our email section. Awesome. Um, I think we have had an excellent show so far. Let's right. close out the uh, beer review. Okay. Let's let's get, you know, I'm really digging you kind of pa- painting a portrait of a scenario, okay. and I'm painting a portrait of like a, a face facial gesture. Right. So can I could I throw it over to you? Okay. For like a scenario or something that you're gonna paint this of way. when I'm gonna be drinking this beer. The Co-op right. Ale Works DNR. Now, this is a beer that you try maybe, I want to say like maybe overseas, right? Mm-hmm. It's somewhere, it's very distinct. You know, you're, you're out somewhere unique. Maybe you're in, maybe you're in Belgium, man. Yeah. Shit. Maybe you're out there and you pour something out of the tap and the bartender gives it to you because you just ask him, well, give me, give me something good. Right. And he gives you this beer and you take it up to your lips. And at first you go, oh, you know what I mean? You're like, um, yeah, but you don't want to offend the guy. No, you're like, of course not. Mm-hmm, you know? <laughs> And you're like, okay, mouth closed. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, thanks, man. <laughs> and the guy's like, right. And you're kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. But he walks away, and you're like, I'm not totally feeling it as much. But as it opens up, mm-hmm. you maybe start appreciating it. You start appreciating it for what the beer really is and where you are. Mm-hmm. You take a step outside of your own culture, and maybe Absolutely. you look at this different culture, and you think of why this might be unique, mm-hmm. and why this might be, you know, interesting. <laughs> in this area here. So okay. then you try it out and you think that, you know what, maybe I do like this beer a little bit more than I thought. Maybe, maybe I can open myself up. I can open my heart to this beer <laughs> a little bit more. So that's kind of where I I'm got, at. This right? has got the key. By the end of it, he comes back around and you're like, you know what, man, thanks. Thanks for not giving me the same old thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So okay. that's kind of where I'm at. It's funny because, you know, I'm going to go with the theme of apple juice in that um, it's like, it's like when you're a baby and you yes. try a food that looks kind of like, so this doesn't look like a, a bad beer, right? No. It, it, there's nothing wrong with the look of it, but it's like when you're a baby and you see something that you think is going to look bad. You try it and your first thing is just like, mm, you get a little bit of kind of like a, maybe it's too sweet, maybe it's right. too tart. I don't like this. Yeah. You judge it too quickly. The surface level, you start making your own judgments. As you start throwing it back and you're buying it up with your little baby gums, <laughs> you start realizing like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. I have no problem with this. Right. Right. And so you like go from a little bit of like the smallest baby grimace yeah. to a little baby smile. 
to a little baby smile. Yeah. A little so, drunk baby smile. Yeah. So this is like the in-between of like the <laughs> of yeah, the little of baby smile. It's it's a good beer. It's yeah. it's crisp. I can I can drink it, but it has body. And um I think it is surprisingly drinkable for a ten percent. Right. Um I think the fact that it is quite sweet, but like I like I said, I get a little bit of like a tart that counterplays it, even though it is quite sweet. I, I get something that counterplays that sweetness that allows me to make it just not this big sweet fest. Yeah. Um, it does have like the the yeastiness of kind of Belgian um, banana y flavor in it as well, and it's nice and roasty, malty. So I'm digging it. I like it. It's a good beer, man. Yeah. I think that it's. It's good. I think we said it was pretty high on the chug meter but in all reality, I don't think I'd be plowing these back like crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, you just shouldn't. Maybe one. <laughs> well, just, just, uh, don't just don't really do that, right? Do that. I mean, you shouldn't do that for sure. <laughs> but also, like you said, it's, it's you know, there's definitely beers that I've killed easily halfway through the show, and this one I'm still drinking, despite how much we keep saying how thin it is. The body is there. Yeah. Right? And the flavor profile is there. It's definitely something to just, you know, take little by little mm-hmm. and really analyze and cherish each sip. And as, as it's opened up, I think it's gotten a little warmer and hotter. Yeah, on that alcohol. But absolutely. Well done, Co-op Ale Works. Um, Not bad. I guess that leads us into the plugs. Uh, if you liked what you listened to with Witty Banter here today, right. you can go and check us out at wittybantershow at gmail You can send us a email with that. You can, or that is our email. Our website is wittybantershow.com where you can send in a beer to suggest, you can send in a topic for us to discuss, or you can just tell us to fuck ourselves. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do. All of those will make it to the show. Everything goes, okay? Every single one of those will be said on the we show. We literally crave the ability for our listeners to make their own subsection and direction of the show. Um, There's a lot of real estate in the show. There really is. There's a lot of real estate to take over. (laughs) I'm more than willing to sell it to you. Number of universe directions here. (laughs) Uh, Dooney and Dunter have done a great job of making their own section of the show, and we implore you to do the same. Uh, If you want to follow us on social media, the trendy uh, tweet uh, fest that we never really tweet, you know, of course, uh, yeah. Never, if you didn't delete yeah. your apps, if <laughs> we you're never like fully gung ho. That's cool, man. We we support that. That's awesome. Man. Uh, Max is at. Uh, I always remember because I'm never on Twitter. That's what okay. is what is it's, your handle? Uh, my handle is at probably Max. At probably Max. Right. Chase is at bodacious Chase. Right. I'm at crypto underscore diesel, but don't go, don't even follow me because I'm never on Twitter. That's, just head on over. That's to my just YouTube. gonna get so many people. To yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Perfect. Nice try, bro. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Crypto Diesel on YouTube. Um, we should be on Google Play, but I don't know if we are. I know we're on the podcast app, and you can always get our uh, shows for free via the uh, Apple Podcast app. Right. Um, if, if you have a podcast app that you want us to be on, let us know. I want us to try and get on Spotify. I think that would be fantastic. That's a good one, man. We should start making our efforts for sure. there. But uh, but I think that'll close up the show for us. Thank you for joining me, Max. It was of an course. excellent addition. Amazing. Yeah. I love and, it. Had uh, a great time. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bit of bit boop. Bit of a bit.